The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Air Supply brings its Australian power ballads to the Birchmere in Alexandria, Virginia this Friday. I spoke with co-founder Graham Russell about the duo's biggest hits, from All Out of Love to Making Love Out of Nothing at All. Thanks so much for doing this. It's my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. It's, it's got to be your first tour back since all this COVID mess, right? It is the first tour, yeah. We're back after uh, 16 months. We've done, uh, I think, four shows already. So, uh, you know, it's really good to be back. It, it felt a little weird at first, but now we're getting used to it, you know. Have you guys played the Birchmere a lot over the years? I know it's a, it's a big historic venue, but I don't know how often you've played. We don't play. We have played it, I think, twice in our career, but we're looking forward to coming back. Yeah, for sure. It's a beautiful venue. Gotcha. So uh, what, I know you, I don't want you to spoil the whole set list, but what kind of stuff can we expect to hear? I mean, I assume all, all the hits, or is there anything new you've worked in there that you're working on? Yeah, we always play a couple of new songs, and I have a little spot when Russell – goes off to take a break, and I play a brand new song. So it's going to be fun. Of course, we play all the hit songs, too. I mean, that's what people want to hear, I think. You know, I know when I go and see the Stones or McCartney, I want to hear all those great songs, you know. Yeah, that's why they buy the tickets. <laughs> so true, yeah. So we'll be playing all the hits. Take me back to the, the very beginning. Before you even formed the band, what town did you grow up in, and how did you actually get into music, you know, as a kid? Well, I, I grew up in England, actually. I, I left for Australia when I was 18. And uh, and I was in a couple of bands in England, but they weren't going anywhere. And it, and everybody were playing cover songs, you know, and I I really wasn't into that. I wanted to play my own song. So I, I just left. I moved to Australia. And in 75, I joined the cast of Jesus Christ Superstar. And uh, I met Russell on the first day. I think him and I were the only two people that didn't know anybody. So we gravitated towards each other. We became really good friends. And, uh, you know, once I realized uh, that he had this incredible voice, I thought to myself, wow, that's the voice I need, you know, f for my songs. And uh, we just started a, a group. We said, let's start something together, which we did. And we had a record out before the show was closed. And uh, our first record went to number one in Australia straight away within two weeks. And, that was really the beginning for us. And from there, you know, we've had a lot of ups and downs, but that's how we began, you know. Oh, absolutely. And so just to clarify for our listeners, this is a Jesus Christ Superstar production. It's the Australian production where you guys met. Um, yeah. Did, did you did you meet Andrew Lloyd Webber or Tim Rice then, or did they not travel to the, you know, the different productions? Or no, I, I don't think they came. I never met either of them, which, and I would love to. They're both brilliant, but I never did meet them. I mean, they there were so many productions of Superstar around the world. I'm sure they were going to a lot of them. 
but um, which role did if, you play? Which role did you and Russell play? <laughs> well, I I began just in the chorus as an apostle, but then I uh, was promoted to the role of Peter, and Russell played every. He was an apostle too, but he sang Peter, he sang Annas, he sang all the roles that were in within his register. I mean, he he even sang Judas uh, over a hundred times, and he sang Jesus once too live. So he was really going for it. And because he had the voice, you know, he had that high tenor and it was a very sought after voice. And his sound was so unique. So he really climbed the ladder really fast. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. It's wild that you mentioned that you guys, you know, were had recorded and even put out a record while the show was still going on. I mean, are you, describe that process. I mean, are you guys, you know, doing rehearsals for the show and then you're coming back at night and recording? I mean, are, you had to be tempted to put on the album, what's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the thing is this, you know, I, I've already been working on my own in advance for several years. And I knew that Superstar was a, a very positive thing in Australia. And I wanted to use that leverage. And I said to Russell, we need to create something while we're still in the show and use the show as a, you know, climb that ladder. And we did. And and it really worked for us. You know, they when our first record came out, nobody knew who we were. But we were the two guys from Superstar. And that really helped us. It it really added that the our first record was just beautiful. It was such a gorgeous record, and it became a classic in Australian musical history. You know, it was one of the fastest rising singles ever to go to number one in Australia. So, but Superstar really helped us. You know. Oh yeah, and uh, of course that first Australian your debut album was was self titled. It was it was Air Supply. Uh, yeah. How did you guys come up with that name? I mean, were you? I mean. Were you tempted to call yourself the Russells? <laughs> you got your, bu- <laughs> your last name and his first. But uh, no, how did you come it, up with the name? We actually thought about that, funnily enough. Well, <laughs> we needed a name because our record was uh, going to be manufactured. And we agreed that whoever had the name, the best name the next morning, we would go with. So uh, that night I had a dream. And this is a true story. I dreamt of a massive billboard. And it was white, totally white. And on the perimeter of it were all these flashing lights and lasers and all kind of weird lights going on and off. And in the middle of the billboard, in big black letters, were two words, and it said, air supply. And I told Russell the next morning, and he said, well, we need we need to go with that name, which we did. And, you know, so we always say that it was divine intervention from Superstar, but who knows? It appeared to you in a dream. That's wild. Mm. Uh, all right. So throughout the seventies, you, uh, you know, air supply is putting out a bunch of records in Australia and their hits, their hits with Australia, you know, Australians everywhere can sing love and other bruises and lost in love, all those seventies hits. Um, yeah. but then when you come over here to the States, I guess it was in 1980, uh, lost in love was, was the title of that album. Um, mm. how did you, how did, how did that transition actually happen? Were you surprised that it caught in, in America or were you actually surprised it took so long? <laughs> well, you know, we came to the U.S. first in 77. We opened for Rod Stewart for six months on his North American tour, uh, b- simply because we opened for him in Australia in 76. And he liked the band so much after our first show with him, he came backstage and said, I want you to open for me next year. And, we didn't, we thought he was just kidding, but he wasn't. We opened for him for six months, 77, but, and we thought, oh, 
because we were on a roll. We thought, oh, we're going to break there too. But we didn't, you know. And so it really brought us back to earth. And we had to begin again in 78. But by 1980, we'd had two or three big hits in Australia. And Lost in Love just found its way to Clive Davis. And uh, he, he licensed the song and the rest became history. But at that point in 1980, we were ready to come back to the United States. We didn't want to stay in Australia. We wanted to be in the US where everything was happening. And we, we felt we had a good chance. We had the songs, we had the voice, and the timing was right. It was a new decade. People are always ready for a change in a new decade. It was January. Um, we, Clive got, got on our team. We became really close to Clive. And he said, you know, are you ready to to take on the world and we said yeah we are and he said okay let's go and he was right you know we had seven or eight top fives in a row oh absolutely clive was instrumental uh in but but you're right you kicked we said january 80 yeah just, your sound kicked off a a whole decade of of music and hits here for us here in the states um you mentioned all out of love but real quick um you know that clive liked like that song but how did you guys creatively come up with that you know like take me into the songwriting process did that appear in a dream too <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I wrote, well, All Out of Love was a hit in Australia in 78. It was one of our uh, later Australian hits. But when Clive heard it, he said, uh, he said, this has got to be the second single, but you've got to change a line in there. Originally, it said, I'm all out of love. I want to arrest you. Uh, and that was the hit in Australia. But when he saw it, he said, in America, that won't fly. You've got to change that line. And he said, he said, what about, I'm all out of love, I'm so lost without you. And I said, okay, let's go with it. Uh, realizing that if, if Clive had a line in the song, it was going to be a massive hit. So, which it was, uh, but, but he wanted to change that line. Now, whether or not it would have been a hit with the original line, I don't know. It's hard to say. We'll never know, but, uh, he changed that line and the, the rest became history. It became, uh, one of our biggest songs. In fact, it was song of the year, record of the year, and it's been played over 5 million times on American radio alone. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, here we are in 2021 and people can still probably sing it. I mean, I know I can. <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know, if, if I meet someone on a plane and they say, Oh, what do you do? I say, well, I'm a, a musician, you know, they go, okay. And then, if they're kind of young, they might say, "Oh, I've never heard Ace of Play. I've never heard of that that band. What do you do?" And and I I say, "I'm all out of love," and they say, "I'm so lost without you." So then they know who we are. <laughs> <laughs> that call and response, yeah, that that's and that's a way for you to keep the pulse on. Do people still remember you? Oh hell yeah, they do. They everyone. <laughs> all you gotta do is say that one line, and everyone will say. Um, yeah. Well, you had a bunch of other hits, and we could talk about them all day, but uh, my listeners will kill me if I don't at least at, ask you about another love song, Making Love Out of Nothing At All. How did that one come to you? Well, that was a Jim Steinman song, and that Clive came, you know, Jim was a big friend of Clive's, and uh, and Clive knew I was a Jim Steinman fan. I love Meatloaf and all those songs. And, uh, you know, we had lunch with, with Jim and Clive and Russell and I, and you know, Jim said, oh, I've got this song. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it. And he played it. And Clive said, why don't you record it? And, you know, Russell said straight away, oh, I'd love to. And I did too. So that's how it came about. It was just by chance. But uh, 
it was it was a obviously it's a classic song, but it 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 noted a shift for us. It gave us a little more weight, you know. It was kind of well, Jim's all Jim Steinman songs are pretty heavy, you know. And uh, and we recorded it. Russell sang it two days later for one take, and that was it. And it became a classic for us, you know. There's, I mean, there's some really high, I don't know if I'm using the right phrase, high pitch, uh, vo- vocals in that one. I mean, it's like, you know, right before you, you slow it down again from the, the title part, making love and nothing at all. There's that, there's that part where it's like rapid fire, really high vocal register. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, in those days, Russell sang everything one take. I like the one that you love. It was one take and lost in love. You know, he, that's what he did. Uh, and he used to surprise everyone. I remember when we were in the studio with Jim doing that vocal in New York. And uh, Jim said to Russell, are you ready to give it a shot? And Russell said, yeah, let's do it. And uh, he sang it from top to bottom. And Jim turned to me and he said, that was amazing. I said, yeah. And he said, I think that's it. And I said, I think it is too. And that was it. We, there was no patching up. Of course, in those days, there was no tuning stuff going on you just you had to sing it now it's everything is tuned and you know you can get a chimpanzee to sound good in in a studio these days you know what i mean <laughs> yeah but the fact that you guys did it back in the early 80s without all that extra you know uh, computer help it's just i think if our, if our listeners haven't listened to it in a while put that back on right now making love out of nothing at all and listen to what we're talking about man it it is unbelievable yeah. display of uh, singing power there. And then in terms of the songwriting, it's Jim Steinman. But I'm pretty sure, didn't he also have uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart, Bonnie Tyler, at the top of the chart at the same time? Like, he had both those songs? He did, and that's what stopped his going to number one. Making Love only went to number two uh, because he had Bonnie Tyler at number one. And I, I called him when when we went to number two, and I said, you know, you've, you've got to do something and get that guy out of the top spot. But it, of course it was his song. I was just joking, but he had, we had a laugh about it. <laughs> That's hilarious. That is really funny. Um, but, but speaks to his, uh, songwriting prowess for sure. Um, oh yeah. He's brilliant. Awesome. Well, I mean, you guys have, you've pretty much done it all. Um, aren't, aren't you a Lord now? Aren't you Lord Graham Russell now? <laughs> I am. Yes. <laughs> How did that come about? Is that like a knighting ceremony or something? Uh, yes, it's it's an English thing. It doesn't mean anything in uh, in the United States, but it's just from a property I uh, inherited in England a long time ago. But I never, I very rarely use it. You know, I mean, it's it's, it's good to have it. And in England, uh, when I go back to England, I I use it. You know, but but here, I mean, it's kind of a nice thing. But it came from a property that I own in England. Gotcha. I see. Um, and then I know you're you're a different kind of royalty in Australia because of the Australian Recording Industry Association inducted you and you guys in the band Air Supply into their Hall of Fame back in I was going to say a couple years ago, but it's longer that good than I thought. It's like 2013 or something now. But how big of an honor was that? Uh, it was great, and I thought I thought we deserved it. You know, we're 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 the number three band in Australian music history behind. The BGs and ACDC. And I, oh, wow. I thought we, de- I thought we deserved it. Um, and it was a great honor, you know, I mean, at least we'll be, because really we're an Australian band and it would, it's nice to be recognized from your home country. Um, uh, I mean, even though I'm English, you know, I, my musical roots are in Australia. So it was a, a great thing. And more so for Russell, because he's Australian. I think it was a great honor for him and, uh, 
he's very proud of it, and, and I am too. It's nice to be recognized occasionally for things that you achieve, you know. Are you a BGs and ACDFC fan, or you sit there and shake your fist? Ah, they're right ahead of us. <laughs> oh no, I'm a huge. I grew up with the BGs, and and we used to do shows with ACDC in in the pubs in Australia in the seventies. So we know all those guys, and I mean, I, I've always thought ACDC are the best rock and roll band in the world, and uh, so we, we we're in great company. And, and the BGs, their legend goes without question. They are just incredible. So it's nice to be up there with those great guys, you know. Wow, I had no idea you used to play in those clubs in Australia, like with Angus Young and all those guys. Wow. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, in Australia, in Australia, because it's a small, it's a big country with a small population. Bands had to play with other bands on bills. There were usually three or four bands on on the bill every night when you played. You know, uh, I mean, we would be on a bill. It would be us. ACDC, Midnight Oil, in excess on the same bill on the same night. And so you can imagine it was, um, those bands were like huge, even in, before they broke, they were huge in Australia. Uh, I mean, playing to, but they have clubs in Australia that seat four or 5,000 people, like the Bondi Lifesaver, which is gone now, but they were big clubs and they were rowdy and people were drinking beer. You had to be good to get up on stage. Otherwise, you'd get knocked off. They'd throw beer bottles at you and boo you off, you know. (laughs) Awesome. Well, there you go. I I had no idea that that was the official rankings of the biggest Australian bands ever was uh, uh, ACDC and Air Supply. Who who are you ahead of, do you know? Who's like four, five, six? (laughs) Uh, I I think uh, Men at Work, uh, Crowded House. um, I know In Excess are up there with us. I think they're either four. I think In Excess may be fourth. Uh, but you know, those, those great bands, everybody knows them, but there aren't, there aren't many, you know, there aren't many up there. Wow. That's awesome. I actually think I'm talking to Men at Works, uh, front man in a couple of weeks. So I'll, I'll ask him about the legend of air supply in Australia. Oh, um, yo, Colin, hey, he's a very good friend of mine. So say hello to him for me. Yeah, we got Colin lined up in a couple of weeks. I think he's coming to the Birchmere as well. So you guys will both uh, bring in some uh, Australian uh, and some British uh, vibes for sure. Um, yeah, he's he's fabulous too. Uh, I know he's on his own now, but uh, he's great. He's a great talent, great songwriter. For sure, for sure. Uh, well, before we run, uh, I want to know a little bit more, uh, just uh, since he's not here to defend himself, embarrass him with, with kindness, uh, Russell Hitchcock, your longtime partner here. You know, what What makes him so great? So when he listens to this, he'll just smile when you, you know, say something nice about your pal there. <laughs> well, you know, we've been friends for 46 years and we've never had an argument of any kind. Uh, so I think that shows you the depth depth of our friendship. The the great thing about us is, you know, we we... I live in Utah and he lives in California. So we never see each other when we're not working, but, and he likes to be, um, he likes to leave everything to me as far as production of the albums and the songs. So, you know, when we get together or when we're ready to record, I'll say, I usually have about 20 songs and we get together, we go through the songs and we get in the studio and he just likes to get up and sing. Then, his role is finished for a while. And, and that's the way we've always worked. But it, it works for us. Uh, he lets me do all the nuts and bolts and join the dots. And, and I like it that way too. But he's, he's the greatest friend you could ever wish for and the greatest partner in a band you could wish for. He's just wonderful. The Russells, the band name that almost was. 
<laughs> I think air it supply really is much better. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much for, for joining us. You've been really generous with your time. In closing, you know, why should our folks come on out, our listeners, come on out to uh, the Birchmere on August 6th? Oh, they should come because it's one of the best shows on the road. It's not a flashy show. We don't have video screens and uh, pyrotechnics going on. It's just great music and a great show. And if you, if people have never seen us before, they should come and, and watch it. It's a great, great show. Well, I appreciate you joining us again, everybody. Graham Russell of Air Supply. Thanks so much for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.